We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 264. It is early, early on Thursday morning after that debacle last night in Oakland. Um, So here's what's going on today. Scott and I uh, are recording early, like I said. We're going to recap the Severino-Sanchez nightmare first inning, plus that whole game. Um, Talk a little bit about the series. And then we recorded a live Facebook video talking about the other two games on Wednesday night. Um, that was before the game, obviously. So heavily, heavily focused on the legend Luke Voigt. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully we, we got this one out of the way um, after we recorded the majority of the show because it would have been a very different tone for the entire freaking show if we had uh, if we had done it after that first inning. Honestly, all we needed was the first inning. That's it. That's all I needed. All I needed was that first inning. Um, sprinkle in a little bit more of the second when uh, you know when the when the show just got worse. And my God, was it bad. Um, just speaking also though, before we get into everything about that, the Facebook live. So we, we recorded that around 8 PM on Wednesday night and we did it in the Bronx pinstripe show Facebook group. 
So there were a ton of people in there who are already part of that group. They were commenting. We were interacting with them during the show. It was a lot of fun. If you guys are not part of that group, make sure to join it because we um, sporadically have been going live on Facebook in that group. We were doing it more towards the beginning of the season. And then things just kind of got crazy with, with the season. You know, the, the Wednesday night games were usually recording late at night. But it's something that Scott and I uh, are going to be doing more of. And we definitely like when people are commenting because it kind of makes it like a live show. Yeah, definitely. And we can see everything while we're doing it. So we try to take as many of the uh, questions and build them into what we're saying during the during the show itself. And it, it kind of it helps it because, you know, it takes it takes the opinions and the questions of, of you guys who are listening to the show and kind of builds it right into um, our notes and, and just makes it more of a fluid thing. So it's actually a lot of fun. And I think it keeps us on our toes, too. So definitely go join that group. Um, there's a lot of good conversation in there as well. All right. So you ready? You uh, you got your coffee ready to chug? Yeah, I'm drinking the coffee. It's uh, it's like six fifteen in the morning. We we uh, we are we are highly dedicated to this <laughs> to this team because nobody wants to talk about what happened last night, unless uh, unless you have some coffee, a little bit of breakfast. You know, you're woken up. That's not that's not where we are today. Just three absolute garbage series in a row. Lose to the White Sox, a, a terrible team you shouldn't lose to. Split with Detroit. It felt like a series loss with the way they played. Uh, another terrible team, even worse than the White Sox. And then Oakland, the team you're going to face in the wild card game, hopefully at home, but the way things are trending, the way the Yankees are playing, who the frick knows at this point, and you lose that series as well. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a bad three series, and this is, this is coming from a team that you know was uh, the first half of the season, we're looking around, and, and, and they had barely dropped any of the, uh, any of the series. These, these guys were cruising, playing very good baseball, and the injuries happened. Uh, they started playing badly. Um, I'm not using these injuries as an excuse, but you have to consider them when you're looking at the makeup of the team for the majority of the second half so far. And, you know, the pitchers aren't pitching. The, the starters aren't, started, aren't starting well. The, the defense isn't gloving the ball. They're adding to the, to the mess. Signs are being misconstrued for other signs. There's too many bad things happening for a team like this to have any kind of momentum and actually, actually look like a playoff team or at least a team that if they were to scratch into the playoff at this point, because that's what it feels like, that they would do anything. Because when I'm looking at Oakland, I'm looking at a young, hungry team that puts bat on ball, uh, that, that could do a lot of things with that offense. Their pitching staff is uh, an assembly line, but it doesn't matter because those assembly lines, when they go up against the Yankees, are dominant. The uh, you said it. the The team comes out and plays like absolute dog shit in the beginning parts of these games. And if you're going to be playing a one game do or die playoff game, you can't have that happen. They somehow overcame that last year against Minnesota, but you can't expect that to happen again. Oakland's certainly a better team this year than Minnesota was last year. So you do what you did against Oakland in this series, where in the first game of the series, Sabathia comes out, throws 39 pitches, and puts them in a hole. And then last night, Severino comes out, gets absolutely bombed in the first inning. There's cross-ups, there's mix-ups, there's pass balls, there's wild pitches. Who the hell knows what the, what is going on with Gary Sanchez and Severino? Um, and it's just a nightmare first inning. I looked up the last week of Yankee starters, and dating back to Hap's start against Detroit, he only went four and a third innings. Then Severino gave you six. Then Tanaka gave you seven. Holy shit, two starts in a row where the team goes deep. And what do you know? They actually won those games. And then Lancelin only goes three and two thirds. Sabathia goes three and a third. 
Hap goes deep, six plus, and then Severino comes out two and a th- two and two third last night. It's it's so sporadic. It's so bad. I don't know even how to wrap my head around it anymore. Last last night's first inning was was uh, was probably the most frustrated I have been as a Yankees fan in a very long time. And you know, I was going back and forth with people on Twitter. I had to, I had I had to turn Twitter off. I had to get off of the Bronx Pinstripes account because I was I was getting angry. I was getting mad because some of these people were replying and just uh, some of the things that were coming out. And I understand. I got to take that. I've been on that account long enough where I know what comes in a lot of the time. There's a lot of really smart people on Twitter. There's a lot of really good Yankees fans on Twitter. But there's also a lot of people who are completely irrational and don't see the game for really what what it is. And when people were were completely passing and saying that this was Severino all over the place. Uh, you know, how could Sanchez possibly um, block a ball when he doesn't know where it's going? Okay, you, the craziness around people not blaming Gary Sanchez because they they love his power and they love his bat, which by the way is not is not around is missing. It's MIA. The guy's hitting one eighty five. Last last uh, line I saw, the, he. He inspired. I said on a tweet about how can a guy succeed when one the catcher doesn't know what pitch is coming, they can't catch a fastball, they can't dig out anything in the dirt at all. So nothing scoops, nothing is blocked, and they inspire zero confidence. I don't understand how anybody can expect a guy like Severino in a game last night. I'm isolating last night because I, it, it just it's 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 its own entity. It, it's that bad. I don't know how anybody could possibly. Uh, throw to a, that guy in that situation and have any success. I mean, th- I thought they were gonna, I thought they were gonna fight each other on the mound, and and this was and this was a carryover from uh, from the Minnesota game. You know, like it looked like the same. Severino does looks like he does not like Gary Sanchez and is frustrated with that guy, and it's and it's completely showing. And when you have a guy who's struggling and trying to get back to form, and that's how you start the game with missed signs. Uh, they were they were. They were put in the book as a wild pitch, but please, God, Gary, you have to block those balls. Like they're not wild pitches. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you could possibly um, expect Severino to do anything remotely good when the battery is not functioning. Officially, two wild pitches and a pass ball in that first inning. And yeah. uh, I understand. It's debatable on those I understand what you're saying. That um, it's like a chicken or the egg scenario because you can't 100 percent blame Gary Sanchez for how. Luis Severino pitched last night. He gave up a ton of hard hit contact. He gave up three doubles. He was not good. So you can't just... No, he was not good. I know. You can't 100% put that on Sanchez's shoulders. But I get what you're saying, and I agree with you, that when your catcher is having these types of issues, that's in the back of your pitcher's mind. And then he's no longer just focusing on hitting his target and getting the um, batter out. He has to worry about, well, is my fucking catcher going to block this ball? Is he going to catch this ball? Is there going to be the runner moving up? So, so it's a chicken. It wasn't even chi- just worry. It, it wasn't even just worry about that. And to me, this is not a chicken and the egg situation. To me, this is an absolute Gary Sanchez issue in the beginning. He started. The, he's he's the guy who's putting the signs down. He's the guy who's receiving the ball. When when your pitcher is visibly yelling at you on the mound and visibly frustrated and and just. And angry, because he was angry. You could tell that Severino was angry. Professional to professional, you're not doing your goddamn job. And I'm mad. <laughs> and that's what was... How do you expect that guy to go out there and focus and lock it in and, and to go out there and, and, and execute 
to a guy that's not doing his job. It was like back to back to back. It was a laughable at a second there. I mean, Severino was literally chuckling like in frustration, laughing. Well, that's because what happens. He with couldn't Gary. believe it. When, when when things spiral for Gary Sanchez, they they go from zero to sixty in a negative way in an instant. It's like one pass ball happens, then another wild pitch, and then a cross up. It, it, it's he can't he loses focus, and then it's just a, the, like I said, the spiral effect, and it goes down the drain so quickly. So we were talking before we started uh, recording, and I didn't see the the um, the post game interview. You had seen it. Well, I just apparently... I listened this morning um, okay. before we got on, and Gary Sanchez, through his translator, said that they were using new signals, and and that's a reason why he was a little um, late to block those balls. Oh. But he also said, "I need to do a better job." He did not, and so he uses as an excuse, and then he he couched it and said, "It's not. It's, I, I'm not making excuses, but." We were using new signals. Okay. Uh, I don't care what signals or signs. That's what they're... You know, signs. Signs. Did they call them signals? I, Whatever. I, it's, it was six in the morning when I was watching it. So. <laughs> I don't care if they were new signs. I don't care if it was new colors on their fingernails. I don't care what was happening. I don't. I don't care. You are a professional athlete. Both of you. You better damn well get on the same page with whatever signs are coming. It doesn't matter what they are. They change signs in the middle of, a, of an at-bat if there's a runner on second who they think potentially is seeing what's going on. Like, that happens all the time. There are backup signs. If you want to change signs, get on the same page. Prepare. Actually know what is coming because there was a very big miss, uh, cross-up in information. Severino thought one thing, Sanchez thought another thing, and neither one of them were on the same page. And I'm sorry, but the way that the track, the way that the history has gone and the track record shows, it's, it's my, my, my assumption, honestly, is that it was Gary Sanchez who screwed it up. That's what I think, because he's done it before and we've seen it with multiple pitchers. It's not just one pitcher. So is every pitcher forgetting what they're doing or is it Gary Sanchez not calling the right the sign and, and, and putting the right fingers down and then expecting the pitch to come up? Because even when he did, when there was a slider in the dirt, it was a good pitch, actually. Not tried a not a terrible pitch. Tried to backhand it. Tried to backhand it. Backhand it. You're a major league freaking catcher. Slide your happy ass over there and block the goddamn ten, ball. Ten to fifteen pounds lighter. He should be able to do that. Holy now. shit! Like what in the actual well, fuck was happening? It was. It was. It, I, I don't understand. It. Um, and and I just want to be clear, at least on on my thoughts on this. I the answer is not well then just DH Sanchez and put Romine behind the plate because we saw that for a month plus when Gary Sanchez was out and Austin Romine was a below league average hitter and he can't throw a runner out at second base. So well, Gary Sanchez can't hit either. I, I understand right, that right now. The the only way this situation gets better is if Gary Sanchez starts playing better. That's that's right. That's right. So so I mean I, I it might sound stupid and simplistic, but. I, the Yankees are in a situation where they're looking at it, at least for this season, like very short term, saying Gary Sanchez needs to play better, needs to play like he's capable of playing, or else our catching situation is in bad shape. Because, again, Romine and Higgy not getting the job done. It's okay when you put plug Romine in for a backup scenario, day game after night game, and we saw him produce early in the season when he only played a couple times a week. But he's not an everyday player. We learned that. Gary Sanchez is the everyday player. He needs to play like 
a starting catcher, like an all-star catcher like he was the last two years. There's no, uh, there's no Luke Voigt showing up and playing catcher and, and stealing the show. It's not happening. There's no guy like that. That's gonna, that, that, that there's potential. I mean, look, Gary Sanchez is obviously one of the best, if not the best, offensive catcher in the league. The numbers are an anomaly. I don't believe the numbers. I'm not saying I do. The 185 is just something that supports my argument when I need it. <laughs> and he also hit a home run last night. <laughs> and he hit a home run last night, but in, in, a, in a situation where it didn't matter. Meaningless situation. Down 8-0. Eight, down eight eight nothing in the seventh inning. Great. Congratulations. Good job. It was an A-Rod home run. It was an A-Rod home run, exactly. Um, but you know what? Like For him, he needs to get going offensively, so it's a good thing for the team if he's hitting home runs at any point because he needs to get going. The bottom line is, is like he the the improvements on defense, um, whether it's blocking or all that shit. Again, I, I've said this a million times. I don't believe that they're they're in season changes that are going to happen. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that's that's possible for you to completely you know turn a new leaf defensively in the middle of a season. I think it's it's uh, it's ask it's just asking too much for the human body to all of a sudden say, oh, I'm going to do things differently now that I've done them for a, a very long time. You need a, a full off season of repetition and and muscle memory building to get that done. And uh, so we're not going to see that. But what he needs to do is get on the same damn page as his pitcher. They have to have that chemistry back. Because if they don't have that chemistry, that's a huge problem. Severino was not good last night. He was missing locations. He was getting the um, the ball was getting hit hard all over the place, and he had his shortest outing of the year. Was it was it compounded in w- because of all of these factors? Yes, I think there were a lot of things that happened. But at the end of the day, he also is a professional and didn't do his job and was and, bad and hasn't been doing his job since July first. On July, not, no, hold after, on, not to not. He's been doing his job. He's been getting through them, but he hasn't been the same dominant force that we saw. So again, we're looking at expectations here. But he's still been getting through, and probably one of our even when he was struggling, still you know grinding out some of these starts better than half the guys on the on the team. After July first, which was the game against Boston, he had a one point nine eight ERA. It's now three point five two. That's not getting the job done, Scott. Right. No, he's been I, bad since then. I know he's had flashes where the, the last time out he went six innings and gave the Yankees a, a good chance to win the game. And that's fine if you get that out of Tanaka and Hap. But they need somebody to be dominant. They need somebody to be the stopper and to be the ace. And that was Severino from April to July 1st. Every time he went out there, every fifth day, boom, we have Severino going today. Good fucking luck, other team. Now you don't have that. Now it's a coin flip every time you send a starter out there. You know what it is? Three is, F-bombs so far in this podcast. <laughs> part, of this, part, of the, part of the issue I think I have with these two guys, and, then I, and I, when I'm looking at them and I see the battery and I see what happened last night and my focus goes to Sanchez, is because of um, your, the history of the players, right? Like I've never seen Severino... Uh, his body language to me is, is like when he's pitching poorly or does something like he gets frustrated with himself, like visibly frustrated. And I mean, if anybody listens to the show, they, they know that that I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to see people wear their emotions on their sleeves. Like I like when they see that. I like when they get You're mad at a big themselves. body language guy. Yes, I am. And and the fact that that Gary Sanchez just is to me so passive in some of the things that that happens, uh, it just drives me absolutely mad. It really does. Like I want I want to shake him. I want to shake the shit out of him and say, what is wrong with you? Stop it. Stop doing this. Act like a pro. Block the goddamn ball. Hit the goddamn ball. Get on the same page. Catch the ball. Because if you're not doing that, then nobody's going to be able to throw to you well. 
It's uh, and I know they've they have good numbers together because and I'm being irrational just looking at one thing, but that's fine. I'm that's that's what I am right now. I'm completely emotionally irrational irrational about what I saw because it was it was uh, embarrassing and it was against the team that's going to come in. We might be going to Oakland, honestly. No, but that's it's- that's why it's so frustrating is because this is the team you're going to be playing and we want it to be Severino in that wild card game. And after what happened last night. I don't know how you feel confident sending Severino out there. Yeah. I'm so, well, I, I mean, they, I'm, I, mean I, I know all we freaking talk about recently is who's going to start the wild card game, but that's the position this team is in. That's really the only thing. Like, what else? Are we, yes, I know we can analyze each game and each scenario and who's playing good and who's playing bad, but it's all coming down to that one game, one game wild card again. Yeah. I mean, no, that's the is. track we're on. So, yeah, the Yankees loaded the bases in the first inning off Mike Fires last night and got no runs again. We talk about later in this podcast um, some numbers with runners in scoring position and uh, specifically bases loaded and the stark contrast between the Yankees and Red Sox. Like, it's ridiculous the difference in the numbers between the two teams. But first inning last night, Yankees have a chance to get Fires um, – in a hole deep in that, in that first inning. They load the bases. They get nothing. They went 2 for 15 with runners in scoring position in this series. You're not going to win games. You're not going to go deep in the playoffs if you're going 2 for 15 with runners in scoring position. We are a freaking broken record. I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my goddamn mind with, with talking about this stuff because every time it's what they do with the bases loaded, what they do with runners in scoring position. Oh, Gary Sanchez can't catch another ball. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been the same story for for over a month. It's uh, it's it's been ridiculous. And the thing about the the first inning too is when they get the bases loaded with him. Um, and, and you know what? Like the bases loaded were two outs. There was uh, uh, Luke Voigt hit a ball that was on a line down the third base. It was a nice pick. Okay, like yeah, that was not good. They should have gotten runs across. They had the bases loaded with two outs. Uh, and they didn't come up with it. But they also raised his pitch count. They did all these things that were that were that were good for the you know the game. And, and they let him off the hook with that too, because he came back out quick at bat or quick inning, quick inning, quick inning, and he got through six innings after after really struggling through that first inning. So he locked it down and locked the Yankees down as well uh, until the seventh, uh, when Sanchez took him deep and then he got pulled. So you know they didn't do their job. Nobody did their job last night. It was a complete shit show. That's it. <clears throat> day um, off. Day off today. Day off today. So go to quick, the, quickly uh, some more unfortunate bad news for Clint Frazier saw Brian Hope tweet that he was uh Frazier was supposed to join Trenton when he started feeling symptoms again and Aaron Boone said he's unlikely to return for the 2018 season so I I don't know what else we say about Clint Frazier other than there's a lost season I feel terrible for the guy because he had a chance this year after these injuries to come in and and play a major role and his his concussion which happened in February and is now still feeling symptoms in September. I, I that's guy. It's so scary for the guy. Like he's now probably having um, fears for his career because this is a lingering thing. I mean, I know he's going to rest all off season, but who's to say he goes out next February spring training and doesn't feel symptoms again? So sucks. Really sucks for Clint Frazier. Sucks for the Yankees. It does. It's it's really unfortunate for him, and uh, it is scary. I think, yeah, especially when you're seeing these things come back, these migraine symptoms come back from concussions uh, time after time again. Um, so, I wish nothing, nothing, nothing but the best for for Clint, and and really, do, uh, hopefully, a, a full off season um, can uh, can clear this up. But but yeah, it's scary. It really is. 
Anything else you want to get off your chest before we transition to the next portion of the podcast? Come drink with us on September 15th. There we because, go. Because, uh, you know, we have our last outing of the year. It's uh, at uh, it's, it's at Yankee Stadium, and it's going know, to hey, be. Hey, I know where that is. <laughs> there's a uh, there's there's a bar beforehand that we go to. It's called the Dugout, and we'll be there drinking uh, drinking beers two hours before the game. Go to the fan shop. It might be four hours before the game. With the way might be four hours before the game. We might be we might be there from the night before. Um, it's uh, sixty four bucks. You get a t shirt. The t shirt says, and I will put it up online today. Uh, but we just finished it. Our, our boy uh, Danny who is uh, doing a lot of design work for Bronx Pinstripes, put this thing together pretty quickly, and it looks badass. So um, shout out to Danny. He's a, uh, he's a design student in Scranton. Uh, he's the man. So check it out. The, um, the uh, T-shirt is, uh, it says, uh, the Empire needs a judge back, because it does so badly, so badly. Uh, and potentially we're circling that date, September 15th of that weekend for a judge return, possibly. Uh, it it kind of fits the timeline. So we'll see. Go get your tickets. And again, we have that deal. Um, if you captain a team, captain a team, captain a crew of five people or more, your friends, you get your ticket a half off. If you get 10 people in your crew to join uh, the Bronx Pinstripe tr- crew for the game, you get a free ticket. So uh, let us know. Shoot us an email. We'll get you a code for that. But bring your friends, uh, bring your family out. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's you know it's good times. Uh, drinking some beers, breaking some bread, watching some games with everybody uh, in the BP crew. All right, good stuff. Submit mailbag questions, call the voicemail line, all that good stuff for Monday's episode. Stay tuned for the rest of the podcast. I'm sitting in the crib dreaming about Lear Jets and Coops. The way salt shoots and how to sell records like Snoop. I'm interrupted by a doorbell. 352. Who the hell is this? I get some quick cocks my shit. Stop the dogs from barking. All right, let's get it started. So we already have a question. Let's kick it off with a question in the live stream from Brian. He says, do you think there will be any carryover from Fires and Stanton tonight? Mike Fires going on the mound. He's the one who... Hit Stanton in the face a couple years back, and then also had that that little dust up with Stanton in Detroit earlier this season. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's there's certainly a um, there's bad feelings. I mean, there, it's been it had been a while when when Stanton actually got back to him uh, when he was with the Yankees, and there was some uh, there was some fire. So I, I don't imagine it going away. There was some he, fire. Yeah, there was there some was fire. Some, like fires. There was some fire between the two of those guys. But I mean, even when he was. Uh, when, when he stared him down and then did yeah. the whole, you know, glance back at him. I remember there was well, like a whole a whole thing. At, uh, but Fires was, was laughing about it. He kind of had a chuckle on his well, face. Well, I think Fires It was a was nervous like, laugh. Yes. This guy was like, oh, if I piss this guy off again, he's going to come out here and rip my face off. But I think with uh, Stan, and he's got to be have some PTSD about that, right? He's the guy on the mound who hit him in the face. So he's extra nervous up there um, about what could potentially, not nervous in the, you know, He's he's gonna have flashbacks when he's facing Mike Fires because that's what happened the last time. I think I think John Carlo Stanton the way he handles things like that is he just gets so angry and focuses that energy into like I'm gonna just destroy you type of attitude, not like oh I'm I'm scared that this guy hit my, might hit me in the face again. Like I dare him to throw close to my head at all, and I'll rip his head off. Like that's right. his mentality is is definitely attack and not. You know, you know, be ready for an attack on the other side. I think he's just ready to, to pounce. I, I yeah. love his attitude. You I mean, think, that's one of the, my favorite things about this guy since he's come over. Yeah, so you think Stanton needs to get a little bit angry? He's like the Hulk. He needs to get a little bit angry before he's at his best? Yeah, I do. And I think he does that a lot. I actually think he channels it and, and bottles it up. Um, you see, some, any, some guys can't handle it, hit. though. Yeah, some guys can. can't handle that. He can, he can use that to fuel his, 
his uh, fuel himself at the plate where other guys, you see Aaron Judge, no, more, no matter what happens, he's just trying to stay at baseline. Yeah, well, this is not Stanton. Stanton no. is a guy that I think uses those emotions and puts them out, and, and it actually creates um, a better baseball player because he, he's able to harness it and I think use that for um, and to just channel it into good baseball. So I like it because when the, you can tell the guy gets fired up, he gets thrown inside or hit by anybody. He, he does that long stare at the pitcher like every single time. It doesn't matter who's, who it is, if it's a curveball, if it's a fastball. That's just how he plays. He's intense. I like it. And another guy who plays with that sort of excitement and intensity is Voight. Luke, yeah. the legend Voight, is um, quickly doing a Shane Spencer 2.0 here in the month of September, just ten year, or 20 years later. We just had the 98 celebration um, 20 years later, and then here we go. Luke Voigt coming out of nowhere, having five game-tying or go-ahead home runs so far. Three homers in his last three games, seven home runs since August 24th, which leads Major League Baseball. And as a Yankee, he's 15, or excuse me, 19 for 59, seven home runs, no other extra base hits. So all the guy's doing is hitting singles and hitting dingers, uh, 15 RBIs in 19 games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly what the Yankees needed. And it's funny because now you're seeing these pictures of Greg Bird in the background of yes. the Luke Voigt celebration, uh, home run celebrations Great. in the dugout, blowing bubbles and just like kind of walking to the side. I'm telling you, my analysis of Greg Bird in these situations was spot on when he did that little weird walk by Jeter when he was, uh, you know, getting that monument in uh, in Yankee Stadium. When he did that little like, oh, my God, this guy's the, the starting quarterback. Uh, I'm the JV, you know, punt, uh, punt returner like this. He's just not that guy. He, he can't he can't go in there and talk to he's awkward. He's freaking socially awkward. And we're seeing it now. And he's not as good of a baseball player as Luke Voigt. Go freaking figure. Jason Shreve well, would come back and solve our first base problem. Right now, Greg Bird is not even close. You cannot sit Luke Voigt until he stops hitting. And, oh. and, that, and the Yankees have been looking for three straight years to try and find production out of first base. And everyone is all obsessed with Greg Bird because he showed flashes. He showed, he, Nobody's Bird's, obsessed with Greg Bird anymore. Greg, break it to you. Greg Bird's resume is... Two months in 2015 when he took over for Teixeira, spring training MVP in 2017, and a home run off Andrew Miller. That is his, that is his resume, and yeah. that has earned him already chance after chance after chance for, from the Yankees to say, here you go, here's another shot, shot at it, Bird. And every time he goes out there and either he gets injured, more bone issues, string, string tree's ankle, just can't hit. So many different things with Greg Bird. It's one thing after the other. And now they finally found somebody who's producing. And sorry, Bird, you're going to ride the bench for the time being. It might, it might be for I mean, the rest it, of the it, season. Yeah, it may not be the time being. Yeah. This may be a, uh, this may be a, a, a situation that, that stays around for a very long time. Because honestly, the guy is, um, you know, he... He's really embracing this, and you can tell that the team is really behind him as well. He's, he's a fun-loving guy. People have been talking about that. They were, um, he reminds him of a, a Swisher vibe, uh, and, and I, I can bit. see that. Yeah, he's got, he's got energy. There's no doubt about it, and I think this team over the past month and a half or since the All-Star break has really been lacking energy. So there's no, this has been no fun. An there's infusion been... of that has been a good thing. There's no doubt about it, and the fact that he's hitting the long ball in crucial situations, and he's just like this hoss fullback running around the bases – um, you know, and, and loving every second of it. I, I think it's, it's great. And no, Greg Bird is an afterthought at this point. Like until, until further notice, he is an afterthought because he hasn't that, proved anything. That's it. I mean, I, I've got Bird, nothing yeah. to go on by this guy. I don't go no. off spurts. No, it's, it's, again, it's just, it's just potential with Bird. The potential is there for him to be great. 
We great? think. I don't we know. think. That's, anyway, that's what Susan Walsman. I mean, she's she's probably still the the biggest Greg Bird fan. Bird has not started a game since August 29th. That was the Chicago series. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lefties, righties, it doesn't matter. Voit's getting the Voit's getting the start, and he should. And honestly, the other thing that he's he's shown is uh, is that he's he's a. I mean, I'll say it, he's probably a better defender at this point because Greg Bird has kind of been exposed this year for his defense. He has not looked good defensively. And if you're not hitting, you better damn well go over there and play some good defense. You better scoop some balls. You better help your boys out. And you know that there's a ball uh, coming in the dirt from Andujar and, and Torres. So he, he hasn't been doing anything that they've asked. Nothing. What, you know, Voigt came in and just, just you know, on, a, on his little, on his he white horse. Ri- he ripped it out of Bird's hands. Yeah. He just took it from him. I mean, we were saying Greg Bird's in the background looking all depressed, blowing bubbles, but... But I, I, I don't want him. I, I want him to be pissed off. I want him to be upset that he lost his job. But at the same time, he's got to realize, like, it's all on me. It's all my fault here. Yeah, no, it's true. And Steve is asking in the Facebook group how, um, how Shreve and Warren are doing. I got to be very honest with you. I have not looked one time <laughs> over and seen how they're doing. Not one well, time. You know, what we're not getting is the Tyler Austin tweets as, right, as frequently. Right, right. Has he cooled down? Um, that was the well, only reason I knew what he was doing is because people were talking about the home runs that he had. Hit and he dad, had a very so. hot start with Minnesota, but yeah. but because Voigt came in and played for whatever it was five six games um, and did nothing, people were immediately saying, "Well, what was the point of that trade?" And then here we are a couple weeks later, and it looks like Brian Cashman pulled another golden nugget out of his ass. Well, yeah, he did. I, I mean, so far. But the other thing is, is that um, I, it was hard to to even go anything against that trade too because at the time. When Lance Lynn came over and he was that effective guy, you know, the Yankees needed him at that point. They needed a starting pitcher that was effective. That has changed. <laughs> there, there has been a, a new Lance Lynn that has, has uh, shown up on the, on the bump. And he was has fun not for two starts. Good. He was fun for two starts, yes. And, and uh, so, so now you're looking at that. But the bottom line is they needed another arm more than they needed a backup first baseman. And, and let's all be honest. Tyler Austin was never the solution ever for first base with the New York Yankees. He Maybe also got a shot. Points. He got a fair shot at it in the early yeah. part of the season. And then it kind of sucks for him because we've said it a million times, but after he got suspended, he came back and he wasn't the same player. Yeah. I mean, and well, I mean, he's, he's had opportunities also, not just the suspension was that, you know, was a, a situation where it hurt him because he had that time off. But, you know, even last year he had time opportunities health, where he could have taken the job. Yeah, he could have taken the job by the balls if he wanted to, and he just couldn't stay healthy. So it's not like Greg Bird has been a picture of health since he's been up. He's been no, absolutely anything but. The, anything but that. He's been the opposite of that. So Tyler Austin had every opportunity to grab that job. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on this Sterling home run call for Luke Voigt? Bye-bye, Birdie. I think it, that's what it should have been. I think it would have been beautiful. <laughs> uh, it would have been... I mean, honestly, Sterling would have gone down in history as, as the most... Like uh, the most badass announcer, if he yes. if he came in and and put a slight inside the uh, the Luke Voigt home run, it would have been amazing. It would have been pipesque. Did you see the uh, video of Voigt bench pressing a, an entire um, uh, barbell with just one arm? Yeah, I did. I actually saw it on the a corner of. Uh, I was flipping through and I saw something. Maybe it was yeah. just in a feed. I didn't re- actually realize it was him until you just said that. I saw some dude that I thought yeah. looked like Luke Voigt going just, like this with one arm. Massive dude, just massive yeah. linebacker looking dude, just for whatever reason here. Just let me make this more difficult because putting up, uh, putting up bench press isn't hard enough. Let me just do it with one arm. And his, um, his brother, I mean, they're a big family. His brother is, uh, oh, just, plays for, for Army. He's a football player at Army. 
or yeah, was. That's, I don't know if he still is. That's uh, he's got meathead written all over him. Yeah, but I this shit. I told you, dude, I'm telling you, my comparison to to um, Kyle Schwarber is actually spot on now because well, he's, he's hitting. The, someone said I saw this. Um, you know, I, whatever, Big Al from the Little League World Series. Luke <laughs> okay. Voigt is just Big Al in, in 15 years. All right. Yeah. So. Same with Kyle Schwarber is, is Big Al in 15 years. Yeah. And it was a game last night. I mean, he Voigt had the huge home run off Rodney in the eighth inning. And it was a game the Yankees absolutely had to win. Because if you went into Oakland having lost on Monday and then you, you kind of get an, a really good start out of Hap and then you still lose, you, you squander those opportunities with the bases loaded, it would have been a crushing loss. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, the bases loaded was um, the bases loaded opportunity last night. And I think it was the seventh inning where they had a couple of really good at bats with McCutcheon. And um, I think it was Hicks who Hicks walked. Yeah, they both. Well, they both walked. They both got on to load the bases. And then there was just uh, you know, strikeout, strikeout. And then Neil Walker Pop flew up. out to end the inning. Yeah. So they got the run across um, with with a walk. The, one of those walks actually you know, drove in a run. And uh, jokingly, but I was tweeting about it saying like, you, you know, Yankee fans are literally praying for a walk at this point. Like that's how that's how bad we've Anything. been with with uh, with the bases loaded and runners in scoring position, but specifically with the bases loaded. The team has not hit at all. And when you're when you're looking at, you know, what the opportunity that was no outs ready to go this, you're ready to take the team or take the game um, in control and you just can't do it. It's a good thing. Luke Voigt showed up. And I and I I like having Andujar up in that situation because he's a contact hitter. He's going to put the ball in play. At least that's what he should be able to do. And all you need to do is in that situation, put the ball in play, hit a deep fly ball, just get something across. I was looking up the Yankees' numbers with with uh, runners in scoring position and bases loaded, and they're they're hitting two forty with bases loaded. I actually thought it was going to be worse, and they're hitting two fifty one with runners in scoring position. Not great by any means, but by comparison. The Red Sox are 296 with runners in scoring position, which is fantastic. And 357, 357 with the bases loaded. That is insane. And you know what's funny is that when you look at those batting averages and they're, they're, they're huge. Um, the, you, and then you look back at the records that we've been talking about and everybody really has been, been kind of isolating who the uh, Red Sox have beaten and who the Yankees have not beaten and the difference between them in the AL East. And it's the bad teams in the AL East. It's the Orioles. It's the Tampa Bay Rays, even though Tampa Bay took it to them last time. But they've, you know, early in the season, they, they beat these teams handily. And, you know, we're taking advantage of these opportunities. Those teams have bad pitching staffs and they took advantage of it. The Yankees have not. The Yankees have been no hit in the past, like, two weeks by James Shields and freaking uh, Alex, Cobb. Alex Cobb, who both had double-digit losses. I mean, I, I want to say they both had 15 losses-ish. Deep right into there. the game, too. Like, fifth, two, sixth inning, fourth, two, fifth, sixth inning. Two plus times through the lineup. Right. That's bad. It's bad. And it happened and again concerning. last night. It happened, it happened again, again last night. night with the Oakland bullpen. And the bullpenning thing, the Yankees have not been able to deal with it all season because we know Tampa has dominated them with that bullpenning philosophy, too. So if, I, if I'm Oakland... Shit, use the bullpen in, in the wild card game. It clearly worked for you last night. They might go bullpenning in the wild card game. That's so high risk, but yeah, I mean, if it works, is it, it works. Is uh, yeah, it, it is pretty risk? high risk because once you have a guy going and then you pull him out, you ain't going back to him. One game, that's it. It's, it's very high risk because you you're I looking think at a, now if it was a five-game five series. Guys. I think if it was a five-game series, then, it, then you're talking about it being high risk. But if it's a do-or-die situation, like a wild card game, I, that might be their best option. I mean, the, the, the thing Rays, is, when you're the in a Rays situation, would do it. Or the Rays well, they have throw, to do it. The Rays they, would they throw a now, but, but <laughs> when you're but, in a situation like that and, you, and, a, and a do or die one game 
and you have a guy that's going well, you don't want to take him out of the game. You just don't want to take him out of the game. And if you're, if you're lining up five guys after him, your percentages of some, one of those guys not being on is, is uh, you know, a lot higher. That's why I, I think this, this bullpenning thing is going to be a flash in the pan. Like we'll talk about it as, you know, uh, something that was a, a trend for a year or two. And I think that we'll go away from it um, because I don't think it's sustainable. Billy Bean invented bullpenning. Jesus Christ. He's the he's, one who planted it. it in, he's the one who planted it in Brian Kenny's mind. Billy Bean is now just mimicking people. He's, he's, uh, he's like, oh, I, I already came up with one original thing. So now I'm just going to uh, mimic people and, uh, and see if I can win a title. Because he needs a World Series to get to that Hall of Fame. Your boy. And I mentioned Hap had a good start. Six plus innings, two hits. He made one mistake to Piscotti. He hit a home run over the center field wall. Bounced off the top of the wall. But he looked really good after looking rough against Detroit. And do you think Boone's looking at this saying, well, this is a potential wild card matchup. Maybe I uh, keep this in the back of my mind when I'm making that decision in three weeks from now. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting how they line up because one, I, like I've said all along, I think that I think that um, Severino, I lost you. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I lost your video. But the um, when Severino is available, if he's available, they're definitely going to go with him. And then they, if they can line it up, if, they, if this is like a, a done deal and they know that they're going to be playing in this and they're going to try to line up their pitching as much as possible and use this Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray combination thing uh, to, to potentially you know, set up uh, what they're going to do either in the wildcard game or the next series, then I could see them you know, having a guy like Jay Happ ready to roll and, and ready to come in because you know all hands are going to be on deck. So I still see them going with Severino unless something you know, strange happens. But hopefully, if, again, tonight he trends in the right direction still. We're going to talk about it on, on the podcast that's released on Thursday. We will be talking about um, Severino's start, but a scenario where Severino goes out and gets hit tonight against Oakland. Do you want yeah. him taking that memory into the wild card game? I mean, I, I, he better be stronger than trying to keep one memory out of his mind for, for you know, doing this. But, but it's um, all, it's all, but it, we're at a point where it's like, I think between I think it's between Severino and Tanaka if if it I agree started, with you. if it started tomorrow. And I also think that um Hap because he's had success against the Red Sox is a guy that maybe Boone wants to start twice in a potential five game series against Boston. Yeah, I mean but again, you're going to get you can get very you can get into trouble by looking down the road when you, you have can. to win one game. You can. And and, and but they I know don't think they know damn Hap well is really that you know well, it depends on the game. You just got to have all hands on deck. I mean, I could see a situation like that that, that would happen, especially if you're going to be... <laughs> Look what happened last year. It was all hands on deck, two outs into the game. It's true. And um, there you go. That, maybe that situation is, is one that they're going to be thinking of a lot. And uh, we also got a question. Um, I lost the comments, but they were talking... They asked about Sabathia, um, and he has not looked great in his last few starts, and um, he's never pitched well in Oakland. I look up. I looked up his career stats, which in Oakland, his hometown, 102 innings, 5.38 ERA for CC on the mound in the rat-infested Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> so is that just uh, CC Sabathia not able to pitch in front of his friends? And it's it's he, the home he, cooking. He, so he goes and he sleeps at his mom's house. She stuffs yeah. him with Captain Crunch, and then he, he's having like sugar withdrawals when he's out on the mound. I mean, I hope, 30, I hope, I hope Mama, pitches. Mama Sabathia has given him something better than, than Captain Crunch when he goes home for these series. I have, a, I got to believe like he's getting turkey and lasagna and like every and like you know meatloaf and like well, she's just throwing every possible dish that that's uh, that's good home cooking at him, and that's why he's lethargic and, and not able to get to it. The Captain Crunch I could see actually being an adverse reaction, possibly making him better. 
In short bursts. But in short bursts. I mean, he came out, and you could tell from the first inning, he had nothing on Monday. 39 pitches in the first inning for a guy at CC's age with his knee issues. Like, that's a long time for him to be out there. Yeah. No, it is. And, and I think that's, that's actually one of the more concerning things for me is, is his health down the stretch and, and him staying healthy to, to be able to pitch at a high level. Because, you know, obviously we've seen him go on the DL. I think they, it looked like they almost had some concern um, on his last outing. I was actually listening to that, uh, to that game on the, uh, when I was driving on the road and I was listening to Sterling and, and Waldman, the, the dynamic duo. And they were taught, I don't know, it seemed like the, you know, the, the dugout was uh, at one point uh, a bit concerned with the way he looked um, early in the game. So I, look, I'm, he's an older guy, no doubt. Um, and he's been, uh, you know, before this, he's been pitching well. It's maybe this is just a blip. So we'll see. But as the season goes on, obviously his knees are going to be a concern. You know, he's not getting any younger. Well, the concern was he was very visibly laboring in the early right. parts of that game, and the defense was doing him no no favors. And Duhar made a throwing error. It should have been the, the last out of the first inning. I, I don't know exactly how many pitches he had to throw after that, but it, I think it was a handful. So yeah. it went from being maybe a 30-pitch first inning to a 39-pitch first inning. Um, and who knows how that affected him. I mean, it's, we keep seeing this from Andujar. We yeah. love how good he's been offensively. He is now because um, our, our boy Shohei is going to be out for the season with Tommy John surgery. Andujar is most likely going to win the rookie of the year. It's between him and Glaber at the very least. Yeah. And that's because 100% what he's done offensively. Because his defense has been awful. And it's, it's these throws he takes forever to throw the freaking ball. It's infuriating. You know, it's funny because we talked about this too, the, uh, the, the difference in errors, and, and uh, Glaber actually had more errors. I don't know if he's caught up to him by now. It was close. But Glaber seems to make the, the kind of the boneheaded moves with the glove, and Andujar does it on the throw. So I, I almost think they're both nonchalant in different ways, whereas you know, um, Andujar acts like he has more time, takes a sweet-ass time, does the pat, does that looping big throw, that, and these guys are arm already motion three scares the shit out of me too. It's yeah. like the submarine throwing motion. Yeah, I, I don't so much mind the throwing motion. And I mean, more, the alternative is the way over the top Chase Headley. Well, there's definitely an in between, but it's whatever you're comfortable with. To me, if he could get his timing down better and, and actually, you know, make sure that he knows how he throws, but just get the timing better, I think that will help him out because you know, obviously everybody throws differently. But um, and then Glaber's the, the you know the bonehead glove stuff. I mean, he just he nonchalantly almost like almost take, goes a little too quick before the ball's in there and secured, um, and he's ready to move with it. So both of these guys look they're they're both they're both young dudes, and I think defense is one of those. Uh, things that you can polish up in the offseason. But the good news is that they're both raking with the bat. Someone was asking about who our leader in the clubhouse is right now for Rookie of the Year, you know, given everything we've gotten. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this as Torres, if he had a, you know, a hot couple of weeks, he'd be right back in the thick of things with that with that vote. And I, and I think he is. I think he's right, you know, getting close. Andujar just won, what, Player of the Month. So it could have been the it was rookie of the month, but could have been player of the month. He actually had better numbers than J.D. Martinez, if you look at them. Um, but they're neck and neck, I think. It's, I think it's going to go down, down the stretch. What you th- well, so what, what did we figure? Um, uh, Glaber was hitting close to 400 over his last, like, something like 15, 16 games, right? Yeah. yeah. And then Boone sticks him back in the nine hole last night. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's um, when you have a full lineup of Judge and Didi and all the rest of the guys there, and, and you have, um, you know, just an embarrassment of riches all the way through the lineup, and then you put him at nine. Okay. I, I could stomach that a little bit more, but when you have the, the lineup that you're trotting out there now, 
there's no reason for that. You should stack them. You should absolutely you know, move them up. There's they no were, reason for him to be in the ninth spot. They were doing it to semi-break up the righties because of the bullpenning that Oakland was doing. But okay. I, I don't care. I want Glaber Torres to get more at-bats in a game than Brett Gardner, Neil Walker, both of those players, especially right now, who are not hitting as well as Glaber Torres. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree. I, and I even Gary Sanchez, for that matter, until we see what Gary Sanchez can do back, he hasn't started hitting yet. I mean, he's yeah. being penciled into the five spot. He's but, also he's also a freaking uh, he's a, a, a like a plug if you put him at nine in front of in front of the leadoff guy. I'm not saying I mean, putting I'm not saying put him at nine. Yeah, but what? Why? But, why do we have if, to throw him back in the mix into the you know into four into the four spot five spot? We yeah. should put him into a, a, a position. I I think at this point he's just trying to bottle it up. I don't agree with the Torres move putting him uh, as low as nine at this point. It doesn't make sense to me. There's some things obviously that Boone has been doing. That doesn't make a ton of sense, yeah. um, but for the most part, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly kind of happy with him uh, for the most part. For uh, There's micro situations for sure that I don't agree with, but uh, name a manager that you don't agree with in, in certain situations. Another move I'm, I'm questioning from Boone is on Monday when it was still a game, he sends CC back out there for the fourth inning, didn't work out. He look, gives up a run, and then Cole comes in with an inherited runner, and that runner scores, and Cole gives up another run after that. And then after the game, Boone had a weird quote. He said, I thought Cole actually pitched well. He could bridge the gap a little bit knowing that we were going to use Greeny today in some way, shape, or form. So if you're going to use Chad Green in some way, shape, or form, why not use him to get out of that jam in the fourth inning? Because I th- wasn't it a three-run game at that point? It, was, no, uh, I mean, it became a three-run game after. I, so I, I actually... So this is a, this is one that uh, Frank and I were talking about in the background too. The I don't as much mind this because when you look at the situation, he's he's in a, a a strange spot here. He's he's in the fourth inning. He's got to get length from some of these guys, and it's the first game of this series. You don't want to burn all of your guys in the first game of the series in a crucial situation. So what what he's trying to do at that point is is get some length where he can get. Cole to pitch maybe two innings. You know, if he could get two innings, that'd be fantastic. Three, like that would be like the greatest thing of all time. But he's trying to get a guy that's a little bit more stretched out, I think, to give him some more depth so he doesn't have to burn. If you bring in Green in that situation, the max he's going two. And if you bring if you bring him in for two, he's done for the series probably. So but, you're you're in a situation now where you're 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 potentially burning a lot more of your high leverage guys. What's the difference if he were to come in then or or later? Just because there's one inherited runner, yes. I mean, who's to say that there's because not it was an a one runner? Run, it was a one run game. That's just but you're look, then looking for a perfect situation in the next one where he comes in with a clean inning, and that doesn't always happen. Even if it the game was was the same score, you could have been in the exact same situation. But then you've burned Chad Green also. Well, I, I don't, don't know. Really, I just don't have a problem with. it. I don't care about if if Green can get you out of that fourth inning and it only is a one run or a two run game. Then after that, go to Cole with, with a clean inning and get some length out of him then. Maybe the offense can do something more. See, to me, if you go and you, you stop the bleeding with Green and then all of a sudden you go to Cole uh, with a clean inning, people are going to be like, why the hell is Cole in this game? Especially uh, after he gives I mean, up two runs because he's not a good pitcher. So people are – look, they're trying to get length. That's what they were trying to do. Uh, Sonny Gray I don't think was available for that game. Um, plus, it wasn't a mop-up duty situation. So <laughs> yeah, you, know, you couldn't, couldn't throw him in there. Say. But you, um, could, uh, you could see the other team on the scoreboard, so you're not but you know, like there. honestly, if we're going to this, if we're going down the road now, like um, I've I've seen enough of AJ Cole. AJ yes. Cole is exactly we know who he is now. Uh, he had a I think a good beginning of his Yankee tenure, 
but it's, it's come back to he's come back to earth. We know what he is. He is that now. I think he's that pitcher that the the Nationals saw and released, um, who had them in their rotation in the beginning of the season. So you know, I wouldn't mind honestly with Sonny Gray actually pitching a little bit better now, knocking on wood, for him to to you know maybe take some of those positions where you would see AJ Cole in a in a position where you know if you can come in in that situation and then possibly get some length, you know him uh, or Johnny whoever, Lasagna. Lasagna. I like, I like lasagna in that situation. He or Lance lost, Lynn. I mean, lost one, one the, of those guys no. is going to have to start, but there's well, some guys that are have, have bullpen experience now. So he Boone has been using Cole as sort of like a hybrid guy. We've seen him in high leverage spots, and we've also seen him in mop-up duty. Lost in the game on Monday was Johnny Lasagna looking absolutely filthy. Two innings, four strikeouts. Um, he dominated. And after the game, Boone said it was very impressive. He has an opportunity to work into a more significant role as we move, down, move towards October. So maybe Lasagna can be that guy later in this month and even in a wild card game or late deep into October that can get you strikeouts. He yeah. can also go two, three innings. He's got strikeout stuff. We've, we saw him look really good for like four innings. And then he, then he struggled. So he hasn't, he hasn't made that next step yet. But if we're talking one, two, three innings, then he doesn't need to. He's going through a, 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 an order one time, maybe. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think I like it. I think uh, he's also a, a big strike thrower. He throws a ton of strikes. I, I, there was the number I think he had only walked. I think in his first game, what he walked like three or four when he first played, which was more than up. the minor league. Exactly, walks. it was more than he had walked all year in the minor league. So this guy throws a lot of strikes, and even on that game, I remember specifically that these these pitches were just off the black, if not on the black, and the umpire was just not calling them. So the guys around the plate a lot, and honestly, for our relievers, that's been one of the one of the problems lately. We've seen Britain have problems with throwing strikes. We've seen too many situations now where, where, where they've walked guys obviously we know what Chapman has done with base on balls it's been ugly so if you can get a guy like uh, Lo Seeger, Lasagna, whatever you want to call him and he's in there throwing strikes and doing well and looks like a young Mariano Rivera because he kind of does physically look like that I'm all for it and I think that he could be an asset if you're putting him in that situation and then you're leaving you know the the um, the long stuff for the Sonny Grays and Lance Lins of the world and we also got some big encouraging news. Aaron Judge finally took some dry swings and some wet swings, but they were off a tee. Yeah. Hey, he's swinging the bat. He's not, not in any pain. It's no oh, longer a four. Maybe, maybe it's a two and a half now. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not even a two and a half. Maybe, uh, maybe the scale was all off. Maybe he was uh, just telling people what they wanted to hear just to keep everybody else at bay. Look, was, the, the fact that he's swinging is good. It was 39 days in between swings. Got hurt on July 26th and finally took some swings on September 3rd. Yeah. And you got to believe that they were, you know, taking their sweet time with him. Make sure he was back. Make sure everything was good. Um, I do think that's what, that's what happened with him. And, you know, honestly, as they should. They should absolutely make well, sure that he's right before he's coming back. So I think it, if they were a little bit closer to Boston, maybe you would have seen him try and rush back a little bit. Right. But Boston, it's, it, the division is out of, out of their hands at this point. Yeah, um, and they they have to be realistic about that. They can say whatever they want, but they have to be realistic. about Well, it. they have to plan as that as the uh, as a real as as a realistic thing. If it, if it, if it happens, if if they were to go on some ridiculous run, then then great. But you got to plan like you're not going there. Absolutely, they, they have they're gonna handle him with kids' glove. He's the face of the franchise. He's um, you know one of the leaders of this team, and you know he's gonna be the guy for a long time out there. So I'm glad they're doing it. And might I add, he said he's uh, like, I don't know, a couple weeks maybe away. That might line up for the Toronto series, which is our outing, our final Bronx Pinstripes BP crew outing on September 15th. Might be Aaron Judge's return. 
And if uh, I haven't actually teased the shirt yet, because I, I haven't put it out yet, uh, but it's uh, the shirt says uh, the, umpi- the, em- the Empire needs Judge back. So the it's umpire. pretty. It's pretty. Maybe the umpires do too. The umpires might need him back too because they need to call more strikes because they yeah. he's the worst one. Um, but that's going to be a, uh, a you know a big uh, right kind of on that timeline. It could be that 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 series that game um, when we get Judge back. I'm really hoping that's the case. And against lefties, we could see an outfield of Judge Hicks McCutcheon with Stanton as the designated hitter. Kind of love that. Yeah. Kind of love that. McCutcheon said he, he's willing to play left field. He'll take some take some. Uh, some practice out there in left field. I mean, if you're a center fielder, you can play anywhere. Oh, thanks for letting us know. I'm sure we all knew that McCutcheon was going to do anything. When you come to the Yankees, you just do what you're told. That's the bottom line. So you, you, put the, you, you put the pinstripes on and yeah, you, you just... You uh, tow the company line. You do what you are told. You shave the beard. Yeah. You play left field. Of course he's going to play left field. Another guy that's gonna, that should be coming up, like, I, and I don't understand why we're not seeing him, honestly. Jared, uh, Jared Drug is asking in the, in the uh, Facebook group, is where the hell is Justice Sheffield? Why are we not seeing him? Yeah, we had a mailbag about this last episode. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I have no clue. I mean, at this point, they, they, they're, they've got the, the room to bring him up. Um, the only thing I can think of... Don't even say that they're trying to help Scranton out. Please don't say it. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say they, they clearly don't think he's ready. That's the only logical explanation. Right. You know, I'm one of the biggest problems with him and one of the concerns I had for him is exactly what lasagna is doing, and that's throwing strikes. And, and that was his, you know, his, the biggest area that he needed to work on. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was both those guys um, that, that in AAA that needed to work on throwing strikes uh, because if they're up in the bullpen, uh, not in a starting position, and they're not throwing strikes, that's a big problem. You can't have bullpen guys throwing balls you just, and walking guys. You right. just can't have it. If Aroldis Chapman is doing it, that's one thing. That's a problem. But he's Rawls Chapman. He's got a uh, you know he's got a history of striking a ton of guys out. You kind of live with that and wait for it to correct itself. But you can't bring a guy in in that situation uh, while he's currently walking dudes. Um, and what do you feel about if the Yankees do bring him up and he gets a couple of relief appearances and then next year he'll he'll um, be a starting pitcher? Do you think him getting his feet wet in the majors would help him potentially next year? Because that might just be something they do towards the end of September when they know they're in the, in the wild card game, no matter what let's break justice Sheffield in. So next year we don't have to have the whole pop and circumstance over. He's making his major league debut. I mean, I think that's overthinking it. Honestly, I don't think they're really concerned about that, but, but at the same time, like I think having that major league experience and coming up and and doing the whole, um, first time thing for him personally, I think is a big deal just so he can kind of get that out of the way, knock the, knock it off of his, uh, of his list and then focus on baseball because, um, you know, he may have a deer in headlights, uh, the beginning you, you hear he's a big competitor. He's, he's, um, friends with CC off the field too. There's all these stories. CC talks about going fishing with him when they're in Tampa. So, you know, he's got a mentor on the team as well, which I like another lefty who's had a ton of success, obviously in the major league. So I think it would be really good for him to, uh, be sitting next to CC you know, in the middle of a, of a game down the stretch that, that start to mean something. I think that would be positive experience for him. It's better than him not being there. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's going to pitch in a, in situations that are high leverage for the rail riders. That's something I guess, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it's not nearly the same. Trying to win championships down there. Yeah, Trenton too. Trenton yeah. went to the playoffs too. Yeah. I mean, they, they have uh, they have some good teams. That's pretty impressive. Actually. Another Scranton, uh, you know, with, with as many people that have been taken from that team and, and have been injured and traded, 
impressive job by the Rail Riders again to get there with uh, with the Yankees just scalping them every every season. Um, Didi could be back as soon as Friday in Seattle. That that Mariners series maybe two weeks ago looked like it was going to be a lot bigger than it really is going to be because the Yankees currently have a ten game lead over the Mariners. So something absolutely disastrous would need to happen for the Yankees to fall behind Seattle. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know at this point. I mean, I know it is mathematically possible, but it really isn't. Right, and and that's a good thing because I hate the Seattle Mariners and uh, I want them to eternally pay for. 95, uh, right? You hate them for 95. I do. Do you realize, though, that they have a 17-year, or if they don't make the playoffs this year, that'll be 17-year playoff drought? Good. It does not seem like that <laughs> It does not seem like that long ago, because the last time they were in the playoffs was 01. Yeah, um, when they had one of the best records in baseball. If not, they no, had the they best had the best. They had the best. 116 wins. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, see, look, these are, these are things that I really enjoy hearing about the Seattle Mariners. I like that. I like them suffering at this point. This is where I, this is where I want them. I want them to be in the corner um, and, and just like poke that with a stick. I don't want them to succeed. I don't want them to be in the playoffs. I don't want them to be anywhere near the Yankees in the playoffs. Um, I want the Yankees to completely trample them and ruin their hopes. So if there was a glimmer of hope, I hope that the Yankees could go in and stomp on their faces. That's what you, I want. You curious about how Robbie Cano is doing post suspension, post uh, injury? No, because there's no pressure on that guy. Honestly, that he does not. He does what? He's he's playing for a few weeks and then he's back in the Dominican when they're in the play. If they were to make the playoffs, right? I mean, what? what right, he can't. How, how do you feel about this guy when he's in your clubhouse? Like that's got to be a very big chemistry problem in that clubhouse. I would think I would have a problem with him being there at this point after he does he does this situation, puts them in a horrible situation as a team, and then comes back. But but can't if they were to play well enough, the whole team to get into the playoffs at that point. But he can't be there. So what's the point of him being there? Honestly, like I would to help be salty. Him get, to help him get back. To yeah, that but point. guess what? It's not working out. I would, I, would, I would think that there is something going on in that clubhouse to have a guy like that coming back after the situation that he put them in. Because he put them in a very bad situation. I mean, honestly, the, the, Mar- the, uh, the, Mar- the Marlins might as well be. The Mariners are, in, are going to be in a very bad situation once we get towards you know, the middle and end of that contract. Well, he's, he's in the middle of that contract at this point. Okay, towards the end, it's going to be a disaster. But, and, uh, and, you know, it makes he's me He's still hitting. He's hitting 288 since coming back. He is, he is it really so dead to me. Uh, you know, after he left, well, yeah, I, mean, I was done. done. He is... I got in, no love for Robbie Cano. That was a 10-year deal, right? Yes, it was. It was a 10-year deal. That's a lot of years. He, he's in year five. Okay, good luck. Good luck, boys. Have fun with that guy. And he's played, since he came back, he's played first, second, and third base. Because yeah. he's because they had to put they had to bring in their center fielder to play second base again because he got freaking suspended for steroids. Thanks, thanks for putting us in that situation. They have, what an they asshole, have Robbie I mean, Cano. Like, why, how could you possibly want this guy back on your team after what he did? Well, D. Uh, Gordon, the, but the, not, not the, even fine. But D. Gordon, I understand. But he also steroids, and then also um, Nelson Livin- Cruz steroids. He's just got a bunch of steroid freaks out there. True, they do have a bunch of steroids. I forgot about Nelson Cruz, but that was before he was with the Mariners, right? That was a uh, that was that was before Mariners Gordon, and Gordon and Cruz. Gordon were was both before, before the Mariners, right? So current situation, current oh, guys. Because, Robbie because, Cano's the asshole. Um, one because oh, I'm sure everyone's just a one-time offender. Just because you've done steroids once doesn't mean you'd ever think about doing steroids again. That's the beauty about this 10-year contract. He is so close to getting another ban. 
and they're gonna they're gonna be completely screwed. I don't know what that co- what the you know the verbiage of that contract looks like, but I know that a lot of agents have not been putting anything having to do with uh, performance enhancing drugs in bring contracts. That up. They should. Yeah. I, I feel they like should, but they're the, dude. The players' association is no, so strong. Never, in baseball. They're never gonna allow yeah. it. I know. Right. They have so much leverage. It's uh, it's it's pretty a, crazy. It's almost like a PR. It's like a PR clause. Like this is bad public relations for us. If you get popped for steroids, they don't so, care. Do you know how much money they're getting made? How much money they're getting paid? They don't care about PR. The players' association could could care less. Uh, they're banking <clears throat> with guaranteed contracts. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. This portion of the podcast, anyway. Thank you, everybody who joined the live stream. Like I said. Tomorrow morning, uh, Scott and I are going to jump back on and do uh, a couple minutes about the game tonight. Hopefully, Severino is dominant. So that'll probably be at the first half of this episode. Um, The full podcast is out um, on Thursday morning, as usual. Scott, any last words? That's it. Hopefully, Severino. Again, we're looking for a uh, another another good uh, trending in the direction. This is this is a big start for him, especially against the Oakland A's. So this is a big competition, uh, potentially. Uh, probably going to be the wild card matchup, uh, and, and you know, with Severino pitching, so um, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting game. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a few days. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.